You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, everyone. Hey, David Hall. Hello, hello. Hey, Donnie Spiker. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome. And Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? Well, on the show today, we'll give you tips on how to get faster in iRacing. We'll talk more rain after hearing from our listeners on our social media. And hardware, we'll check out a computer build with real horsepower and a triple setup like no other. Yeah, and you're going to want to see this stuff. And you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself. All these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off of your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car, drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. question is how much are you spending uh, pc gamers with phil Ewanuik, he uh, just dug deep into the pockets of sim racers and found out how much one could or is spending on the hobby uh, the article mentions will ford of boosted media who has nearly 65k in his rig it also mentions the 100k versaro rig and the article targets the 2020 pandemic as a huge catalyst of the new enthusiasts joining the hobby so how much do you have in your rig? Does anybody have a number? Well, if you count if you count the computer and the and the wheel and everything, you know, I would I would twenty k and unreasonable with everything between ten and twenty. Now that's just the current setup. That doesn't count your previous equipment, like your previous computer you had before this one and your previous video card. You're not adding that into that too, right? I don't think so. No. Yeah, that's just a right. not a running total right that's just what you have currently you know yeah i can say i'm still sitting less than five um i didn't i didn't put the total on on the parts of building it uh, just the hardware for the most part but um tomorrow will be a little different okay so you're gonna go double din- double digit percentage more tomorrow yeah probably increase the budget by less than less than half but still it's a start I'm in the process of designing the new one, so we'll see how it goes. I love your approach um, because there's a thing for buy once and be done, okay? 
And a lot of us have learned that, um, you know, but, but like, like when David went and got these sim, sim coach pedals, I mean, that's a buy once and be done purchase. And when you buy one of these big direct drive wheels, that should be a buy once and be done purchase. And, and the same with the big cockpit, if you buy a, you know, like an 80, 20 cockpit, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the way to do it. Cause if you just kind of get, Oh, I'm going to get some load cells. And then three years from now, you'll say, you know what? I need to go hydraulic. And then you basically have bought two sets of pedals. Yeah. It's hard in the beginning when you're, when you're just getting into this to know exactly what you want. So I'm kind of glad I went mid-level in the beginning and built my own rig. That way I know what I want in the future going forward. So, uh, and I get a, an opportunity to, to lay everything out and people kind of guide you in what direction you might um, find good things in. Yeah, I, I kind of got lucky with my wheel because, um, you know, I originally, you know, I upgraded from my Logitech to one of the Fanatec uh, V2.5s, I think, right? The belt-driven one. And it was a good one, but it, it wasn't everything I wanted to get out of a wheel. So, um, so I did buy a direct drive after that. And um, luckily, um, at the time, there was, you know, there was a lot of demand and, and not a lot of supply of the Fanatec V2.5. V, V so I was able to sell it for almost what I paid for it. So I didn't take a bath on that particular upgrade, you know. So um, I got kind of lucky there. Um, but uh, it was more of a supply and demand issue at the time. Some of my upgrades were driven by the stuff, you know, finally breaking down, like where the, the rift would quit tracking properly or I broke the throttle pedal on the on the on my V3 pedals. So they, they couldn't really resell those. Um, and but I, I did like the fact that I found the hydraulic pedals right off the bat. I knew that if if I did get rid of them, that was the next step was hydraulic. And um, I didn't know how great they would be. Um, till I got them because it's just it's quite amazing. It was interesting, and we were in a race last night, and on the final restart, the uh, the front row was actually sim coach drivers. Well, and you also, cool. you also decided early, David. You know, sim lab P one X. You know, to hold everything, you got to have a stable environment where there's no flex, and uh, so that was, that's a pretty easy choice, because that was, at that time when you bought it, that was the, that was the one to get, I mean, that, there wasn't a lot of choices like there are now. And that really probably was a bigger jump than going to the hydraulic pedals, because the un instability of an office chair really would affect what you could do racing-wise, as far as being able to just, just be on the throttle. And that's one of the the cool things about the, the uh, profile aluminum rigs is that they're so so easily to customize and and uh, upgrade. You know, some some rigs that are that are purpose rigs uh, like that, it's really hard to add a lot of accessories to it. So um, the the aluminum profile rigs are so easy to customize and and play around with. Yeah, I literally just added a shelf to mine by ordering some some custom parts. Yeah, right. and I was able to you put can't some, do that on, on, on some things. And I was able to, you know, put some archaic brakes um, mounted, you know, very well onto my rig by because it's so customizable, you know. I, um, and I also added a tray for the computer and so forth. But the other neat thing about the 8020 is if I decide a new project, you know what, I'm going to go to these 55-inch triples or something, 
that's going to be separate from my rig and I would have to take off my uh, current triple setup, which is easy enough to do. I can remove it and still uh, have the same thing going. Well, we could go on forever about this topic, but. Um, but are you still not fast enough? I guess would be the next topic, right? So are you still not fast enough, Brian? Yeah, this um, comes from an article posted on uh, Traxion, and uh, they actually had a, a written article and a YouTube video um, talking about how they're giving you tips on how to improve your lap times. It's it's um, you know it's it's a road based of, um, um, of video that they do, but you know road courses are, take a lot more you know finesse and, and talent to uh to really get those extra last bits out of your performance and they really just start going over uh some of the things that'll help you help you uh improve your lap times um you know and, and the video kind of starts off where you know you're learning a track for the first time and you're and you make big gains as you learn tr learn the track and and improve your skill and improve your uh you know increase the amount of lap times when you're on on these tracks you know you start making big gains at the beginning then you kind of plateau at a certain point you know where you you know you're only you're only gaining tenths, maybe hundreds of a second on your best time and they're really trying to give you ideas of how to get over that last hurdle to, to get to the really fast, uh, to get up there with the really fast guys. Um, you know, one of the things that they, they definitely mention, and it's something that, you know, they, they mentioned that, you know, formula one teams, they just obsess over data that just all the data they can get, they get data from the other cars, they get cars data from their cars and they use as much data as they can to try to maximize their performance. You know, that's, that's the kind of things that they talk about, um, in this video. Yeah, one thing I thought was interesting, uh, he mentioned, right. like you mentioned, uh, getting the big gains at, at the beginning, but usually by lap 20, you've, you've, you've learned the track, and then from there, you just get incrementally better um, as you go on. But they recommend, obviously, practicing as much as you can to develop the muscle memory. It's the law of diminishing law. returns. Right. And then, and one of the things they, they mentioned on the video, you know, is, um, you know, you're, you're kind of max, you know, you're kind of maxing out like your best times around lap 100, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's all, all you can get out of your, out of your lap times at that point. But, um, you know, they say that these aliens, these guys who were top, top level, you know, they don't have hundreds of laps. They have thousands and thousands of laps and they're just squeezing every last 10th, every last tenth of a second out of every turn if they can and they and they know these tracks so, and, they, and they know how to do it so i was just thinking that new feature that's coming soon where you can redo a corner from point to point quickly and practice a particular piece of track i think that's going to change a lot of the that uh, the way people practice um you think it will to some degree but you're still going to want the the rhythm of driving the entire circuit and breaking points and exit points, but to learn specific corners, it's going to help, but you'll still want the rhythm. You want to ingrain that rhythm into your muscle memory as well. So, so the article went on to talk about smooth inputs, compare comparisons, you know, compare to other people, uh, compare to data and then setups and so forth. I think it ultimately comes down to, practice yeah and going back to your point mike i think you are right i think this will um kind of in a way revolutionize some of the practicing uh 
practicing of these tracks, especially road courses where there's lots of turns and, you know, you can just, you don't have to go around a whole circuit just to practice one particular turn. You can, you can kind of figure it out as you go and uh, just figure out one turn at a time, basically. You know, exactly. Like I'll see an alien in front of me. Like, how does he get through that turn so fast? I can't do that. I'll go watch his replay and I still can't figure out how he does it. But then I could go, like you said, into this new thing. I could, you know, put up the corner and go point to point and do it a thousand times in like 20 minutes, you know, and just and figure it out and find out where the limit is and just kind of dial it in, so to speak. It might be really useful in some of the combination corners, uh, like the S's at the Glen, or something something like that, where it's kind of a series of three or four corners that that require a real finesse. Because that was actually where I would lose most of my time, in on, at last week at the Glen was was the S's. I would I would kill the bus. I would do, like catch everybody in the bus stop and carousel, but I would gain lose the time right back at the end of the S's. Yeah, I felt for myself, the S's were good, but exiting the bus stop through the carousel was my weak part for Watkins Glen. So it's cool to see everybody's differences, but I would focus on that part. You focus on the S's. Well, something that might require a little bit more focus, Brian, or actually, now let's toss this one over to Donnie. This one might require more focus. It's the rain. And uh, we actually sent a little bit of a, a feeler out to our listeners for this one. Yeah. So this past Sunday, the Cup Series race was delayed. Then eventually the race started under wet conditions, and this prompted the iRacer Lounge Twitter handle to pose the question, rain and iRacing, what's your thoughts? Um, I know what my thoughts are. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, my, my first thought was, as I'm watching, as I turned on the race to start watching it, and um, they, were, they had rain, I, the first thing I thought was, you know, if they're doing live you know, live weather at these tracks, then everybody who would be racing at that particular time would get the forecast that's happening. So anybody who's racing at the time of the, the uh, Watkins Glen race started this past Sunday would be in a rain situation and it would clear up as it did in real life. So um, the first thing I thought was, man, this is going to be so cool if these weather events are tied to the actual what real what's really happening. Yeah, the more I think about it, um, it has to be real, real weather. Cause how are they going to organize the official series? You don't want to make a series just rain. I, they might do that in the beginning, but to, to what you're saying is if it could replicate real conditions, I think that's the perfect way to go. Well, does it replicate real conditions or average real conditions? Because when you're running a race every two hours, you, I mean, you can't apply that situation when it, when it's 3 AM at Watkins Glen, in real life, but Anazi is racing in their morning time. And that's a great point. Cause let's say Wednesday night NIS, it's great. And then what do we do? Do we do rain on Friday or rain on Sunday? How, how's that going to work? And how does that affect your, your championship points? So wh what's our consensus on how we want to see the rain implemented in official series? That's a big question. Well, think of it like this. How many races has it affected this year? that where they actually ran out of 36 should be the same percentage basically you're saying yeah one one or two races are actually running the rain um so i don't again, i don't want to see it running about, that often but but also you're talking about um only only road courses would it affect at all you know or, you know it's not going to affect the oval obviously 
So, so what so what are the numbers for IMSA? Right. If you're doing IMSA or, or a street type of, or a road course type um, a series, then it would have a lot higher percentage than it did in NASCAR because rain, they just stop racing. They don't race at all. Uh, what about thinking outside the box a little bit, how this could be implemented? What if they implemented it only for special events, maybe just at least to start with? special events that are over you know six hours or longer or something um and that way and then it's communicated to the community hey guess what if you're in these special events it's going to rain randomly once during the event either in a, a light capacity or a heavy capacity um you're forewarned okay yeah, that could work. And also with your 12-week series, um, you get the schedule in advance. You know what the 13, the 12 weeks are. And if week 10 at Spa, you're going to have a potential for rain, then every race throughout that week of week 10, whatever you're at Spa, whatever series you're in, you just know that that potentially is going to be a rain race of some sort. That seems fair. Well, while we're at it, since we did ha have this interaction, why don't we talk about some of the tweets that we saw in there? As, as I glanced on that, um, some people are really for it, and some people think it's just going to create more sitting around waiting or, or towing of cars. It's just going to equal more damage and less fun. Let me read off a couple of these. Um, at Satchbale said, probably will avoid these races. I don't really like it in other sims either. At Shake and Bake 690 says, since it'll be overused, I'm looking at taking 13 weeks off when it's introduced. But then I have uh, at XJ Jagman, can't happen fast enough. I know you guys are mainly oval boys, but this is required for road. At Mupar Gaming, can't wait for it. Going to be totally different and immersive, realistic to real driving. Uh, guess what? It rains sometimes. Yeah, nobody says they don't want the rain. They just we just need to know how they're going to implement it and how fair and even across the board it's going to come. But yeah, rain's got to come. It's uh, probably their last, the last thing they need in the service to, to make it complete. Yeah, my my opinion on the on the weekly races and the official races is I, I don't want like a week a rain week. You know what I mean? I'd rather have some um, some randomness to it it's not like um this week's uh it's going to be uh watkins Glen rain week you know i'd rather it be you know it's watkins Glen. it might rain it might not well that, that would be hard to for the championship points for people who, who who race for those like let's say monday and tuesday i had sunny conditions i i, I did great and then friday everybody's going to run in the rain and it's going to affect things a little differently could for some drivers we have dozens and dozens of replies. Um, some people are, are saying they should fix everything else before they worry about rain. I saw that a few times in there. Well, that, I think it'll be cool. I also like that feature. I think we're going to start making that a regular thing where we drop out a tweet and, and discuss it on the show. Yeah, and, and special thanks to Tyler Williamson, our teammate, who's uh, taking the taking the mantle and uh, is going to run with some of the social media stuff to get get more input from you guys in in um, some some topics that we'll be throwing out, seeing seeing how you think about things. So jumping out of iRacing a little, the next topic we're going to cover is an announcement that Project Cars and Project Two are being delisted from Cell, and uh, they're going to remain player, but I guess that. They're going to be remain playable, but I guess that means there's not going to be more uh, content or support being added to them, right? So, 
I, I normally wouldn't talk about some other sim besides iRacing, but I kind of wanted to talk about the business model. You know, the fact that it's under a subscription that we're paying monthly to iRacing, yearly, whatever you're doing, it's a continuation of a, a product that grows, that that morphs into something else and and has longevity in it. So, you know, when you buy a, a game once, you know, for 60 bucks, 80 bucks, whatever they cost, you know, at what, some point it's over. Yeah, I actually played uh, Project Cars 1 and 2 quite a bit prior to joining this service. And um, I noticed they don't mention anything about Project Cars 3 because I heard that one was a lame duck. But, I mean... Games eventually end and and whatnot. I had to actually map a controller to to run these two uh, titles, but yeah, uh, time moves on. All right, Brian. Well, it looks like we have a World of Outlaws update. Yeah. So uh, last uh, Monday night was round five, the halfway mark of the World of Outlaws late model series. Um, they were running at I fifty five, which is one of the newer dirt tracks on the service. It's a third third of a mile track, but um. Uh, it put on some really good racing. Um, in the uh, in the feature race, it looks like Blake Majulis he uh, got his uh, second win of the season. Um, Evan C finished second, and uh, which uh, put him you know handily on top of the points lead. Um, this is uh, you know it's they're halfway through the season. It's week five, uh, just finished up, um, and uh, Evan C is quietly putting together seriously one of the best seasons of any any driver in any of these uh pro series he's uh he's finished he's uh out of five weeks he's finished second three times and won twice so he's never finished out out of the top two he's won every single heat race that he's been in so um you know and you don't hear a whole lot about his name coming up a whole lot other than in these results but he's putting together at this point one of the best seasons ever in any of these uh pro series consistency man and there's a replay of the last uh, few laps where the top three are battling for the win uh man it's some great racing the other thing i i can say about this track brian man at the end of this race it's black i mean it almost looks like asphalt there's no dirt left i mean the rub it's all rubbered in and there's no dirt on top and uh i've raced on a track like that and it's hard yeah, it was, it, and it, it was only one caution very early in the race, a 50-lap race, so really well well run by these guys. Um, um, Blake Majulis had a, had a decent lead, and uh, slowly Evan C. just uh, reeled him in till they started battling in the last last uh, 10 laps. But in the course of them battling, uh, the third-place driver, um Barrett's Bishop, he he actually pulled up to those two guys as they're battling because they're slowing each other down, going side by side. Wound up making it, you know, a three-way race. Um, Evan did, Evan C did have the lead for like the two of the last three laps, but on the last lap, he just ran out of racetrack on the outside, touched the wall, and that slowed him up enough for uh, Blake Majulis to get the win. Those two guys are teammates, by the way, and um, they did race pretty clean, you know, being teammates and and, and whatnot. So. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really solid, really good race. It was it was fun to watch and uh, keep an eye on Evan because he's you know we'll see what he does next week. But if it's if it keeps going like this, man, he's he's just having a whale of a season. Well, I was going to say forty six point lead um, 
even if Blake wins every race, he needs Evan to have trouble. I mean, because Evan's finishing, like you said, top two every time. So he's he's got it sewn up the whole championship if he can continue that whole top two stuff. Yeah, yeah. If he if he keeps up like this, and any of the other guys who are finishing behind him in points, like Lake Majulis, uh, Kendall Tucker, if any of those guys have any issues at all, I mean, this this series could be over uh, with it with a couple of weeks left to go. All right. Thanks for that update. Uh, the next thing we have is uh, the top highlights of the week. iRacing's putting them out every week. And this one's got a lot of close finishes. Um, I caught a few of them. Uh, a lot of Pocono this week, and then a few races at Spa in different cars as well. Yeah, four wide at Pocono, of course, and which is super easy to do at Pocono because it's so wide there. Yeah, you've got the Mazdas at Daytona. I can't tell if they're running the oval or if they're running the road. I imagine they're running the road, but we only get the clip of them going to the tribal. But those just sound like a little bag of bees, and they're always so tight together. They can't get away from each other. They just draft into a big pack. Oh, lots of good stuff. Um, I really uh, like watching this. And, you know, usually I, I'm kind of picky with YouTube and stuff. I'm, I'll watch a video for a, a few seconds and I'll move on to the next one. But when I get these on, I usually watch the whole thing. I think uh, Bobby's clip from last night could make something like this. That was a good finish from him. Got to send in the clip. I think I think uh, this coming next coming uh, week is going to be very Daytona heavy because they always produce close finishes in these in those type of races. Well, I mean, we, let's talk about some of the clips we've seen this week in our chat. I mean, we had Tony Rochette uh, today on a clip where he got turned up on his side, on his driver door side, and got slid down the the banking onto the flat spun around in circles and it never left the side of the car and it came to rest on the side of the car. I was just waiting for the car to flip over on its wheels or on the, on the roof, but it never did. It just stayed on the, on its side. It was the oddest thing, but I, I, I guess we need to be smart enough to save the replays and try to send some in because we have some good replays as a team. Al, I, I've gotten on there when I uh, destroyed a car at Pocono, not paying attention to Bit Road. You went on for the wrong reasons. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you got to do, man. You just got to do not something absolutely stupid. Yeah, you don't want to be on the NOP top 10. Oh, that could be fun. Those are fun videos to watch. Yeah, when it's not you. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I, uh, it was funny at the time. Even, even right after it happened, I, I laughed at myself easily. So the next uh, thing we got is another kind of race recap. Uh, Monday Night Racing. It looks like they're in their playoffs. They were racing in Atlanta. And Colin Fern came from 11th to 1st as he made a pass on the high side of turn 4 to take that checkered flag. Uh, he makes the league's championship 4 along with Anthony Alfredo, James Bidford, and Presley Soren. Yeah, pretty neat replay. Um, this one probably belongs in the replays of the week. Um but uh, they had a little two-minute clip of the of the replay to watch. And, yeah, Colin gets it done. Uh, the other thing I mentioned about these guys is next Monday, they're all going to meet up at that uh, Charlotte uh, Rising thing. And they're going to uh, – several of them are going to, you know, have their rigs set up and actually run the championship race right there, uh, you know, in front of a crowd. I think tickets were selling at $15 each to get in and watch. Only thing I don't like about that is what rig am I going to be on if I've, you know, just I'm so used to the rig I have. 
Well, bring in your own, I presume. I, I, Justin Melillo is one of the people that's going to be racing there, and um, I presume he's bringing his own equipment, but I'm not sure. That's a hefty lift. Yeah, to reset up your... I can't imagine moving my rig from one to another. Wouldn't happen. That requires a household move. It's so heavy, you'd have to take everything apart almost, you know? I must have been... If it was... a well, no, Atlanta is kind of almost plate racing, so it, would, it might not have been a tire situation. It might have been just just a good running. All right, continuing our little so social media outreach, the Lounge reached out via Twitter asking which version of Daytona do the listeners like the most. And I, I like this result. I was kind of surprised at it being us as an oval-centric. But, yeah, Daytona Road's pretty fun, and it won with 66% of the vote. Yeah, I don't know if I, I was too much surprised because um, – as a team here, we're oval centric, but it seems like iRacing in general has a bigger following on the roadside and the Daytona road course is a lot of fun. So I, maybe the percentage being so high was a little surprising, but um, I kind of think the service in general is a little road leaning. Well, the Daytona 24 is the one that everybody comes out to run, even all the oval guys. And um, it's because it's the first one of the season, instead of getting ready just the week before, there are people who are, already practicing for the Daytona 24 now, right? Yeah, I was only able to do the roar last year, and even for the roar, the four-hour race, I believe it was, a lot of, a lot of participants in that one. 65% voted for road. Yeah, I, 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 hate, I hate plate racing, even though I'm usually successful at it. I, I just hate it. <laughs> well, I voted oval, but I guess I was in the minority. I, I pretty much thought it would be 50-50, but... I was a little surprised at 65-35. Well, you can't like any road race. There's no such thing as cautions. I'd love a caution in a road race. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, um, y'all got to have one in the league race. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. So um, it's getting to be about that time. We've got some confirmations and rumors coming up on the uh, 2024 or 2022 season for a build, Mike. Yeah, this is a running list put together on the forum by Jordan Winsel, and um, I thought we'd kind of go over it. Uh, he goes in here and edits it and uh, updates it and whatnot. So he says confirmed is the SCCA runoffs in October. Um, the rough GT3 challenge is retiring, replacement TBA. Didn't know that one. Uh, implied Indianapolis Speedway rescan, oval and dirt oval. Well, I think Oval is confirmed. We heard that from Greg Hill for sure that it would be out in the release. Uh, Lucas Oil Speedway, we talked about that one. And then he says the Rudd-Coggin Motor Center. So we need to look at that one. What is that? It's probably a German. So I'm going to click the link here. Oh, so this is, uh, this is one that's a later story. I guess we'll talk about it now. Just today, iRacing put up a photo of some artwork they're working on of a giant boulder it says it's not just a boulder it's a rock the scenery is coming together nicely on this upcoming track and so i put this quickly in our chat and uh i think greg was the first person to chime in it might be pike's peak pike peak uh the oval or the hill climb hill climb does that oval and still i agree with exist? that i've i've uh taken a train up that uh, mountain, I don't know, a few years ago, and 
I haven't driven on the road in a long time, uh, but I took the train and it's a crazy road. I mean, you could die so quick by overdriving one of those corners. I like the maybe down here at Kern County Raceway Park. That's uh, not too far from me. I drive by that all the time, driving up to the northern part of my state. It's actually a nice facility in the middle of nowhere. Okay. What other maybes we have? The Circuit de Navaz Magnacours from fr uh, France. I think that's definite, isn't it? It's definitely not how you pronounce it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I blew that, didn't I? He also said maybe uh, the NASCAR 87 AI. Whoa. Now, Tony's not going to be happy if he, we, they put that out before he gets the next-gen AI. The mini-stock four-cylinders could be interesting for pavement. Well, next-gen next AI is actually in the implied list. So, Okay, it's... there you go. Uh, teasers, 3D grass, uh, rain, the 2D to 3D catch fence generator, the second street stock for pavement or dirt. Remember Dale said something about that? And then a late model stock update or pro late model. And then finally confirmed for future builds, a Mercedes W13 F1 car and the Toyota GR86 Cup for 2023. What week are we on now? Don't know. I think it's 11 or 12. Take a pause and I'll tell you. I like that um, Kyle on this uh, thread on the uh, season four build um, content list, you know, after everything that is listed on here, he shows, you know, he shows the receipts. He shows the links to where all this stuff was, um, was uh, leaked or uh, announced. So um, you can, you can go check it out and just to see, see exactly where he got his stuff from. Definitely a very valuable thread. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to have the links to back it up. Yeah. And we are currently in week 11 of, of season three. So a build week in two more weeks and only two confirmed item, items so far. It, yeah, they usually late. do it in the last seven days, yeah. Yeah, so usually, usually we see a little bit more, um, more content that's been leaked out by now um, when we're getting that close to a week 13. Well, I think we started today with this Pikes Peak, uh, potential Pikes Peak uh, road track. I'm looking forward to that. I was, you know, I'm going to buy that right off the bat because I had so much fun with Mount Washington, you know, and, um, and, and Pikes Peak, I've actually been there. I've never been to Mount Washington. So I'm kind of curious to, to go up that mountain and see what it looks like, you know? So what's the deal with Mount Washington? What was the staying power with that? Do people still run it? I don't hear a thing about it. Well, I don't still run it no uh i think it was just a fad i guess i'll probably go back to it occasionally when i'm bored well the problem with uh with uh, mount washington was there was no like official races or anything like that to keep everybody interested on a, on a weekly or basis or or at least within a 13 or 12 week uh season you know it was it was like a it was just hosted races for the most part and things like and where do you get this excitement out of a single car race? Unless you can break it up in stages and do some kind of rally event on it, maybe. I don't know. I thought it was kind of fun to try to figure out, can we beat Travis Pastrana's time? That's kind of what was driving me to do it at the time. Because I knew what he, he had run on it on the real track. Then I was just trying to see how I stack up. 
Well, yeah. the, the next topic we're looking at is actually a question by by a listener that the current light scans of the tracks don't really stack up, right? So we have a, a, the topic idea is rescan needed, but it, really it's uh, talking about that Langley has now now has LED lights, and the entire track surface is looking to be covered, pit lane, grandstands, everything, and he's asking if we're going to start upgrading the lighting of the tracks soon as as this as these start being put at tracks. I would think so. Heisman. Sorry, Donnie. Yeah, this is sent in by a previous guest on this podcast, Jay Heisman. It actually looks good for a Langley local short track. Um, and driving some of these short tracks, they are dark. They're, they have some dark spots, but looking at the um, the newly installed lights down there in the, in the, the screenshot, uh, it looks 100% covered in light. Nice, white, brilliant light. So... With something like this, so obviously we already have this track, Langley. The lights have been changed dramatically, as the two pictures show. What does iRacing do to update this track? Do can they just do it in this in their you know tool, uh, or do they go have to go take pictures of the track with it lit up, and or do they have to do a full rescan? That's kind of what I was thinking. Is like, wow, I don't think they have to rescan. Maybe they just do photos and then they adjust the lights from that. I don't know. That would actually be a neat answer to hear. That would be a neat answer to hear from the devs, actually, is how many man hours would it actually take. Yep. And so the other example this week of a real track changing and how does that affect iRacing is uh, Spa. And the uh, Arouge uh, famous uh, turn, turn one, turn two, whatever you want to call it, has been redone. They had some resurfacing and safety work. Um, it's made it a little faster, apparently. Um, they'll still be flat out in the F1 car. But uh, how does iRacing update this track? I mean, is, is this a rescan? Probably. Most definitely. And it's. Um, I wonder if the other cars will still be flat out, because even the GT3s, once you get get the tires warm and burn off a little fuel, they're flat out through that corner. So did the actual layout change at all or just the surface? I don't know. Uh, if you look at the picture, it's hard to tell, but um, it almost looks like that you almost had to jig to the left before you made the turn. It almost feels like that jig to the left is almost gone. I remember this being a big deal when they talked about it, people um, getting upset with them changing the profile, which understandably it's probably one of the most famous sets of corners on planet earth but i get the safety aspect of it you got to do something about that with cars getting faster but i don't know i kind of i think it might have the same profile just by looking at this picture with my eye i was thinking did they widen the entry down here that's right and that the be at the front of the picture that almost looks like that's all new fortunately i never see the track from that particular angle so it's really hard to say okay all right, Brian, do you need any more T-shirts? Yeah, we all need new T-shirts every once in a while. This comes from uh, 213simware.com. They are selling uh, T-shirts, and um, some of them are um, sim race inspired. Uh, not only that, but you can uh, upload your own um, templates and uh, logos and stuff like that, and they'll create your own T-shirt. So um, some of the ones that... Um, or iRacing related. They have one that uh, says, I'm just here for the SR. 
That's a common one. That a uh, common phrase you hear a lot. I wrecking, which is uh, which is just obviously a play on I racing. Um, so uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. They're running around 16, 17 bucks for these t-shirts, uh, and again, you can you can put in your own logo, and they will create your own t-shirt. That's pretty cool. Yeah, price isn't bad, and to have your own car on there would be would be pretty cool. And for less than twenty bucks, maybe ships a little bit more, but yeah, not a bad idea. This might be a good vendor for us to get some iRacers Lounge shirts made. Maybe love the pricing; it's not outrageous, you know. We heard also, about this from the Sim Racing Channel guy uh, who does the Sim Racing Channel. He's put together a shirt for the Sim Racing Channel thing. And uh, yeah, that's where I found this. And they have some other products too, cups and glasses and stuff like that. Um, pillows even. So a bit of variety of things that you can pick from. I, I just keep scrolling, Brian, and it just keeps giving me products after products. And it's a lot of, of uh, drivers and their, their uh, you know, driver splash and that kind of thing. I wonder if you have to be careful of any kind of uh, copyright infringement type of stuff. Like if you have a, you want to put your car on there and you might have a sponsorship that's a, that's a, a real vendor, real real company, whether they would do something like that. I don't know. You got to be careful of that kind of stuff. I don't know unless unless they're a certain comedian who doesn't even who isn't even relative in anymore, they might actually appreciate the uh, the extra coverage, right? The free advertising, like we're technically not allowed to stream our service our our game. iRacing owes that content, but you 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 ask them if they want you to stream it, and they say yes, 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 yes. We've got one event coming up on the calendar. It's the Bathurst 1000. Um, it's running at Mount Panorama in Bathurst at New South Wales, Australia. It's considered the pinnacle of the Australian motorsports. And it is the biggest event on the calendar for the supercars. It's looking like the four standard special server or, or yeah, special server 24-hour event or whatever time slot. So 1, 7, 12, and 16 GMT. Got to have a license on the roadside of D4.0. It's starting on a, the race date is set in October, but the actual race is on the weekend of the 16th to the 18th. And it'll be the two new Australian supercars that are in the service. Oh, you can't run the old one? Don't believe so. Have you guys ever done this? Yeah, me and Greg ran it last year, and I wrecked out on the first stint. It's, a, it's an unforgiving track, and I didn't get around very well there in that heavy car. Yeah, I remember going that. Back, going back for a re retry, Dave? Uh, might be possible, but I know I have to work a parade that Saturday, so that it may get in the way of it. Not a lot of uh, motivation on our team recently, David, for these uh endurance events uh, i think you were trying to put a car together for something and and it was like crickets right uh it is every time about the only time everybody really gets excited is daytona um greg occasionally runs the endurance races but uh doesn't doesn't really have a whole lot of time in his his calendar for them i run mostly with crisscross but none of them want to run the lmp1 and that's a little sad because we ran the Ferrari, we, we were in the GT class instead of the LMP1 last weekend in the 24 hour Le Mans of iRacing. And um, 
I wanted to get a car. I wanted to get an LMP for Daytona. And Greg was like, yeah, I'll run that. And Bobby was kind of interested, but he's never run that car. has no idea how the boost works. And yeah, nobody on crisscross is interested in running it. Yeah. I asked in our group chat, if you guys run it and I guess you guys have two teams, you have a, um, somebody mentioned a fun team and a serious team. Um, and I think they said the Ferraris for the, for the fun team. Yeah. And I, I personally hate those titles because running serious is fun. <laughs> I get what he's saying. Cause for like my softball team, uh, we have a competitive team that goes out to these tournaments and then we have a, a fun team. That's usually the, the guys that drink beer and, and don't win. We, we should have called it the fast guys and the slow guys. Cause that's how they were grouped. That's how we're grouped. For the Daytona 24. Well, you, or you could call it the, the road guys and the oval guys. <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, knowing what the oval guys would run come Daytona, and I'll pick up that car and run it in the wintertime gearing up to it, because I know I'll do the Roar again, the GT4. But it'd be nice to potentially do the 24. Yeah, the Ferrari, probably, GTE, Ferrari. And there, if you've got your A license, the Endurance Sprint Series is there next week, as well as the 24-hour uh, uh, series that they have. But you got to have A license to run in that one on the roadside. There's a new set of pedals entering the market, and they look promising. Simcoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to Simcoaches today. Go to Simcoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for other listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers during the race so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out our Discord. Now, I was told the link doesn't work. I'm going to be working on that, and hopefully we'll have a, a proper link. Uh, but perhaps you can go there and search for us. Uh, we have a lot of fun over there. But don't forget the website, iRacersLounge.com. We got some crazy hardware stuff you want to see. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel. All right, how'd you guys do in your fantasy picks this weekend, Brian? Uh, I did terrible. I think I was like 31st, which is awful since I actually tried to do well this week. I didn't forget my picks and, you know, I had, I didn't, I didn't have a backup driver that I didn't watch it live. So I didn't have chance to change drivers or anything, but still, I just did terrible. Um, but mud dog didn't, he won the week, uh, with 229 points, Bobby Jonas, uh, top, uh, Tifosi, uh, finisher in second place. So it was a really good, uh, showing there by Bobby. Um, he's having a heck of a week, isn't he? He's uh, got second place on there. Did really well in uh, NIS. Um, Tyler Fatboy1990, he got ninth place on the week. Um, and Tony Groves, uh, 15th for the week. So that's the uh, 
top Tafosi drivers. Um, and then uh, in the league standings, uh, Louder Racing is still uh, take is still on top with O Baby forty four in second. Twenty one F is in third, um, actually tied for second. To be honest with you, they actually tied after after all these weeks. So pretty cool, really close finish. Um, Greg uh, Frozen Cactus, Greg Hectus is still in seventh place overall. He's there. He's the top guy for uh, Tafosi. And man, he's the only one of us in the top fifteen. That's terrible. <laughs> we suck. She was up at the top two or something earlier in the year, but yeah, yeah. has fallen. Yeah. He was winning for a couple of weeks, but he's uh he's dropped down a little bit. Well, we figured out why I might really do really bad in the points because I had Kurt Bush in the car and nobody else. Um yeah. You picked Kurt Bush? Or well, just let him, let him roll I, he was left over ago. from before he got wrecked. And then I don't know. I hadn't looked at it in a couple of weeks. And then when I opened it and looked, the only driver in the whole selection was Kurt Bush. There was no other drivers picked. They needed me to fill them, but there was one listed and it was him. And obviously he's not racing. So yeah. yeah uh, okay. I thought, just so leave him bad. in this weekend. He's a good plate racer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you him and and four four other drivers who who uh, you've already used up all your picks. That's a, that's the way to go there, Mike. <laughs> so, how do the points work after this week? Do you crown a, a champion and then basically start a new round for for the playoffs? Somebody had mentioned. Uh, I guess you get the uh, everything resets, but you can only pick a driver twice or three times. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you get something for for winning the regular season, but it seems kind of odd to go twenty six races for really what purpose? I guess we'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, hardware software is brought to you by three D or no Supreme three D printing. Are you looking for that next SimRig upgrade, or maybe you have a man cave that needs a little more style, or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme three D printing have you covered. We will create and print tons of different and useful items that are sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, then feel free to contact us, and uh, we'll work on you to find your needed item. Check us out on the Etsy store at Etsy slash shop slash Supreme 3D Printing. You've got a bunch of artsy stuff, too, not just sim racing-related products. Uh, like, he's got a Groot. It's got all kinds of neat stuff. Uh, I, the field markers are coming in very handy again. We, we've uh, got our first song on the field, and... Uh, I have a couple of seniors who don't have afternoon classes that are just coming in and, and laying down pages of drill before the rest of the kids go out and just putting putting the dots down and they can just go find them instantly and it's sped things up greatly. So it's very handy. But will they remember how to do it when they're when the stuff's not laying on the ground? Well, you leave it there long enough and you do enough repetitions until they until they've got it kind of memorized. You know, it just it takes drilling just like about just like learning a road course, I guess. You run a bunch of laps. All right, and the first item we have is the Extreme Sim Racing button box. It boats on directly to any Extreme Sim Racing product, which is wheel, includes uh, wheel stands and chases or chassis. Um, it's got more functions on your simulator with the button box. You got eleven functions, three switches, and seven buttons that are configurable via USB. It's got its own USB power, plug and play. 
which is perfect for virtual racing. It's an aluminum case, um, and it does have an on and off button. It's PC compatible only. And this is a pretty good little layout. Simple, several switches and buttons. It's missing the rotary knobs, but if all you need is buttons, this is a good start. Yeah, it looks good. looks clean. Um, I think I'm following your route when it comes to the button box. I think I narrowed those down, but yeah, this looks good. It looks like you can mount it pretty well. You can begin yeah. to... I, you can get a lot more of almost the same with that that other option that you're probably thinking about uh, for that price. Uh, honestly, yeah, I don't even. Yeah, you're right. And, and thank you for showing the backside of these boxes because finally, I, I know they they never show the backside of these boxes, so you'd have no idea how what kind of mounting options you have by looking at the front. But this one does a really good job, and it's on a little swivel arm, which is pretty cool. So you can move it around. If I mean, it's it's a uh, sense it's made for the extreme racing products, but it it'll easily work with any eighty twenty. Yep, I think it's common for uh, button boxes to have the square bolt pattern. I want to say it's hundred by hundred Visa, um, and and um, when I bought when I bought my P1X with the triple monitor mount, it came with three 100 by 100 Visa monitor mounts. Now I didn't use those because I bought the upgraded monitor mounts, um, and so I had those for, for spare. And I ended up bolting it to the back of my button box so I could mount it to my 8020, and it worked out perfect. Um, the other neat thing about this box is got the cable coming out the side not the back which is uh, usually a, a horrible problem if it's coming out the back uh, depending on where you're, you're you're putting it all right mike what's this next thing we have the question is carson flyer well freck sim is showing off uh their carbon fiber hydraulic pedal set and uh they got an instagram video of it and everything is like made out of carbon fiber. The whole pedal itself, the whole, everything on the front part of the pedal system looks to be, you know, fully carbon fiber. Like it's not discovered in carbon fiber. I think the whole thing is made out of it. It's crazy. It's definitely inspired by a Formula One cockpit, and and these pedals are are incredible. Um, they're the most, um, I don't want to say realistic, but you could see these in a real car looking down the top of a, an F1 monocoque, but um, these things are awesome. Well, I think we good things from Frex Sim. I mean, these are the guys that had that head motion system where you you strap the helmet on and it's got the things that hook the motors that move your neck around. Uh, yeah. The uh, the Instagram audio, though, it's like I think they're trying to start their uh, poetry career, too. It's that's too bad where, it didn't have a mute button though. It kind of blew my ears out. That's where the Carson Fryer comes or flyer comes from. I get it now. All right. Well, we used to have fish tank PCs. Now, Brian, we have them looking like real motors. Yeah, this is a really wild looking uh, computer build. Um, so it's it replicates the look of an actual motor, but it's a PC. Um, it's got like uh, pulleys on the side with a with a chain connecting to them. I don't think it does anything, um, 
it looks like the uh, 3D uh, or the GPU is mounted on the outside, and and it's kind of designed to look like maybe like valve covers or something on a, on a, on an engine. Um, just really wild looking computer. Um, I don't know if I'd want all that stuff on, outside of a case. <laughs> you know, I don't know how 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 good that would work out in the long run. But I mean, as far as creativity and and, and uh, ingenuity, these guys have a really cool system. And apparently, they do all kinds of uh, all kinds of custom builds for you if you if you're looking to get into uh, checking them out. Um, it's really really neat build. Oh, it is. It really does give an impression of a motor. You know, when you first see it, um, even at the bottom, it looks like, you know, it's on a spring or, or something, you know, the way it's mounted. And I don't know. There, the other thing that kind of catches my eye is right where the CPU cooler would attach is like some kind of round video screen, you know, with some guy's face and a little video on it. I don't get it, but it looks cool. It's kind of funny, you know, back in the old days, your uh, your TV and radio were actually pieces of furniture, right? Um, and now they're not, they're kind of super miniaturized, but we're turning our computers into pieces of furniture effectively. Or looks, this looks this, like something out of Mad Max. I mean, this looks good. I mean, you, I'd display this in my living room for sure. Eye catchy. All right, Donnie, we've got a dashboard or a dashboard from SimSport Gadget. Yeah, SimSport Gadget posted a new dashboard to their Instagram account uh, saying they are proud to announce our sports series, Sim Racing Dashboard, a beautiful dashboard for your sim racing rig. It's equipped with a, a big five inch touchscreen with vivid color and high resolution carbon fiber fused material and your choice of accent color. Hundred and seventy nine ninety nine. Yeah, looks looks like it's available through Etsy, on their Etsy page. Um, have have we had any luck purchasing uh, equipment of this nature through Etsy? And you guys try that yet? I've only bought three D printed stuff really from Etsy. Yeah, I can imagine the housing, the casing is three D printed on this thing. Um, the lighting is. Oh, yeah, there's better pictures on the side there, but um, yeah, just curious because there's a lot of people coming up with their own wheels now wheel rims selling them through etsy as a as another option yeah now the cable comes out the back it looks like it's a nice braided cable it looks like they have joel real timing or something similar running on the screen it could be a sim hub uh sim hub dash, yeah. dashboard probably but um, it says it's touch screen, so you can actually uh, interface with it by touching the screen. That's kind of unusual for these these uh, these displays. They're usually not touch screen. They're usually just displays. Yeah, it, it, it's nice to have a display like this right above your wheelbase because when you're in, in triples, you can't see the the dash. You can't see your gauges. And so anything important, you know, you have to get it some way else, somewhere else. And that's a great way to do it. What I did was I bought a 3D printed uh, phone mount that mounts on top of the DD1. And I have an Android phone. I have two phones and I, I iPhone and an Android. And so I put the Android on there when I race and I put the dash up on it and it works great. And it all blends right in. And I don't feel like I need something fancy like this. When I have that, it works great. 
Right. Yeah, still, still 179 to me doesn't seem completely outrageous for this. Um, no. I've seen them. I've seen them a lot more expensive than that. And I bought my uh, wind simulator. Now that I think about it, off uh, Etsy, and uh, it worked out. It was it was fine. Didn't have any problems with it. Yeah, I'm halfway tempted to try one of their open wheel rims. I see um, that are fully functional with the buttons, just because the price is price is decent. But um, I don't know. You're starting to see these Etsy shops explode and get get good quality stuff on there. I'm not sure this next one can be found in an AC shop, but it does look kind of luscious and uh, luxury-like. All right, we have a Luso Motors posted Instagram, and it's a racing seat designed for classic esports. And I can I can see, especially with the way the headrest looks on it, that it makes you think of a uh, more classic car design. Um, they they can imagine putting it in the Porsche or BMW, Jaguar or any of the similar cars, right? And it looks nice. You can get a couple of different finishes options. The one on the main Instagram post has kind of got a suede middle with probably a leather or vinyl uh, edges trim. Yeah, I can imagine soaking that one in. Yeah, it's got a, a real classic look to it with that leather, you know, that David's talking about. And the, the head seat, um, or the, the headrest, I guess you'd call it. The headrest is a traditional car-looking headrest and uh, on two posts. And so, yeah, I mean, this would make any rig, it would dress up any rig, I think. Now, these guys are out of Europe, so you wouldn't want to buy this unless you're in Europe, I think. But it's lusomotors.com. Well, Mike, I got to throw this one your way because you're always talking about quick releases. So tell us about this next one. Yeah, we got a video here. How to set up a quick release adapter and any uh, for any steering wheel, drift, rally, or do-it-yourself on the Moza R9 Sim Racing wheel uh, base using a NRG Innovations quick release Gen 2 Black, a quality, solid, good quick release and makes a ding sound. Uh, any wheel uh, that has a 70 millimeter PCD standalone or connected via USB. So is this Moses saying that you could uh, attach any wheel you want now utilizing this adapter? Yeah, basically, um, you know, with this NRG and I've heard good things about it. There's no play in it at all. Okay. So now we got teased a couple weeks ago, um, something big coming. Um, I thought Moza was proprietary that if you bought the wheelbase, you had to buy their wheels, and this is kind of their way around it. But I, I've been doing my research on the quick releases, and I believe the NRG one is like 110 bucks. I ended up buying one from Amazon for 30, and I put it on my wheel yesterday, um, and it's fantastic. It, it works. It's a spindle type quick release, and that way I can buy multiples and put them on all my rims and interchange that way pretty quickly. But I have to attach to the hub, the podium hub. So it gives me a little bit of an extension. Yeah, so so you have a hub on a hub, title idea. So I have the podium hub, the gold podium hub, and then a little, um, the quick release adapter attaches to that. And then the other portion attaches to my other wheels. And that way I could slip them in and out. I see rather than get two podium hubs which they have play in them anyway so the podium hub has play in it so you're not fixing the issue by because you're still using the podium hub right i i don't understand your your play issue you you bring that up quite a bit are do you not have the set screw set in the um, 
the actual shaft of the of your direct drive from your podium I guess hub? not. Uh, no, I, I don't put in a set so, screw. Is that why it's moving? I've never not ran it with the set screw, um, and I, I get no play with mine. Um, I could try running without the screw, but I would just assume the screw's there for a reason. But yeah, I don't well, get any brilliant. play. Brilliant. I'm going to try it. <laughs> you might have, you might, be funny. might have just saved Mike 1500 bucks. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about buying a wheel, and now I'm like, whoa, I need a screw? Actually, Donnie has now saved Fanatec, right? <laughs> this little guy uh, you put in there. Okay. Just goes in the back. That's the little quick-release adapter I attached to the front, and then I have it on multiple rims, and I can just flip them in and out if I need to. All right. Yeah, the plaything's always been strange. I never understood what you meant by that, and I thought maybe it's the it's the screw bolt that you're not putting in. I don't even know if I have it. I'm gonna have to figure out a replacement. Ooh, that's gonna be hard because it's a it's a specially designed or CNC milled screw. I, I hear they're not. I don't think you could buy them. You probably could okay, get them from Fanatec. Maybe, in fact, you could get them using their app because apparently they've got a new app. It's an all-new Fanatec mobile app. It's a convenient way to access your news channel. You can contact support swiftly. I, I hope that works well. Um, as well as displaying telemetry data from PC games and using the tuning member on, or menu on your touchscreen. It's the first version. The first version is out for iOS and Android app, and it sets the foundation for a new and improved features later on. Yeah, who knew? I didn't know this. So I'll, I'll install this and play with it a little bit later and maybe talk about it some next week. And hopefully don't break your uh, wheelbase. When everything else so it doesn't break your phone. Hasn't. Now, okay. the app's been out for some time. It's just the first time I've seen it. Now, I have a problem with my Fanatec software, drivers, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't remember the settings that I put into it. You know, I have five different presets, and I can go to number five and put my oval settings in, and then I can race, but then the next day, those settings aren't there. I have to re-put them in every time. Drives me nuts. I would try putting them in on the wheel itself. Okay, good idea. Well, a bunch of good ideas today. Because that, that, that's, that's where I always have made the adjustments, and then I just used the app and took a screenshot of it when I got the new computer so that I could turn around and set it all back again. All right. It does look like, Donnie, we have a new hydraulic pedal hitting the market. Yes, we do. Hyperdrive Sim Racing um, basically put a teaser video out of their new uh, pedal set, the Pro the Pro X. I can't see what that said there. Darn it. But anyway, you go to their website, and you can't get on it. There's no release date for these pedals. Uh, looks like their website's under maintenance. But it looks good. Poly, um, CNC aluminum finish. Well, but, so the pedals are actually OBP Motorsports, OBP. And we've heard of them before. They have, in fact, um, they have some really nice stuff that we've talked about on the show before. This uh, website you're mentioning, they're a reseller of the uh, OBP Motorsports, I believe. Yes, you're correct. And then through their website, you can't get on. Um, now that I go to Instagram, it wants me to sign on and I can't get in. Yeah, it's a pretty neat video showcasing the OBP uh, setup. I mean, these are high-end stuff similar to sim coaches for sure. 
All right. Yeah, okay. So here's what got me when I was when I was reading this one earlier. So it's available to order and try in our showroom August of 2022. So we're ending, we're almost in September, and you can't access it through their site. Um, and it doesn't have a timetable of when the site's going to be back up or whatnot. But um, no, the pedals do look good. Yeah, they do. They do look really high end. So we'll see if anybody reviews these. Uh, I haven't seen a, a review on the V2. But I'm sure that'll be happening. All right. It's actually a Fanatec heavy op uh, show today. We've got a Fanatec owners group post, and it's a photo of what looks like a new Fanatec cockpit. Now, I can't, I can't click this in picture to zoom in, so I can't really see much about it. It looks pretty small. It looks like a Formula-style uh, cockpit, um, real small, actually, with, I think, a single curved monitor. But, if, I mean, I mean it, could, it could be nice. I mean, but it kind of limits you to what you want to run. I couldn't imagine wanting to, to lay down running running stock cars. But if you can have the opportunity to have multiple rigs, this could possibly be your formula rig. It looks like a play seat rig to me. Um, you know how the play seats look, the, especially the formula ones that are all kind of sleek and low to the ground and not much to it. Yeah, this is one of those. Yeah, it doesn't look like a lot of opportunity for dashes or shifters, so this looks very specific to to formula racing. I never like that design where you have a post in between the pedals. Yeah. Nope. Where you got to straddle a pole or something in between your legs. Yeah. Can't tell if from the picture if that's what this is, but it looks like it may be. All right, Brian. Uh, you run triples, don't you? What do you think of the, this new triple setup this guy posted? Um, yeah, I don't run triples. I, I'm a VR, um, but um, I do love what this guy did because um, we had just talked about uh, these 55-inch uh, Odyssey Arc uh, curved gaming monitors um, from uh, Samsung, and uh, we were talking about uh, you know could you you know could you make triples out of these uh, you know it seems seems almost ridiculous uh, because they're so big. Well, apparently uh, someone did in a post uh, from Mark Andre. Uh, uh, let me see his last name. Leducher. He uh, he put he has a picture of a rig with triple fifty five arc odysseys, um, and it is fantastic. Those uh, those monitors are it's 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 almost like a IMAX screen that wraps around your your rig. It's it's so big and and uh, and clear. Um, it's fantastic, um, and uh, apparently they are not really the computer that they're using is is high end, but it's not anything off the charts. Uh, they're, they're apparently they're running an RTX 3080 Ti with um, an i7 uh, 12th gen uh, Intel processor, and it's running smooth at 120 frames per second, maxed out with the uh, with the uh, options on it, the graphic options. So um, Man, it's amazing that it runs it that well, and uh, it's it's just beautiful. I always like to question scale on items. So that driver's side mirror, would that be the size of a mirror in relation to that person you're seeing sit in the chair? That's the idea, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be close, right? It looks like you, it. you got to be the right distance from the screen. And, Donnie, we were talking about this, I think, this week or last week. You know, what it what is the distance? You know, should the 
triples be from your eyeball. Well, with 27s, it's right above the the, the wheel base usually, um, right behind the steering wheel. But as you as you scale out, like you're talking about to 55 inch curves, you got to really push that back. So so that so like you said, that mirror isn't big because if that screen was closer to you, it would appear bigger. Now, could he grab that mirror from where he's sitting? It doesn't look like it. If you look at where his right arm is and how far it would reach out. Yeah, you I can't think reach it's out and touch a little that monitor. skewed on the left-hand side. The right-hand side, it gives you a little bit more um, perspective on, on how far these are away from him. Yeah, but, I mean, these, these three monitors almost make a 180-degree half circle around this, uh, this, this rig. Um, it's really cool. The yeah, footprint. Uh, how big does it take is pretty big too. I mean, to make that 180 arc, I mean, if you look at the distance between the, the how big the monitor stand is from left to right, I mean, yeah, 12 feet, maybe 15. Yeah, this looks like uh, when I kick my last kid out of the house type of project because I'll need an entire room dedicated just for the rig, which I wouldn't mind. That's right. That's why you get a four bedroom house or an extra bedroom <laughs> this is uh something else i can't believe how good this looks hey if we talk if we're talking about buying a different house to fit your sim rig does that apply to the costs that we were calculating earlier now if you can justify well, using that house for other means like cooking dinners and sleeping then i would say that's your living living space i, I don't know maybe you can get away with not counting that well you it's, know it's that a, we know built we built this house from uh, custom from scratch and and we specifically picked it with an office on the lower level that was going to be my sim racing room so yeah there's somebody in my valley that lives here that bought the neighboring house just for their barbie collection so that one i would consider you know a purchase as a part of your your collection if you're buying the neighbor's house to throw your crap in so I think um, Advanced Sim Racing had set this guy up with everything he needed. So, man, if you're going to be doing these 55-inch Odyssey curves, um, you know, you might want to work with them because their stands look awesome. Yeah, and it looks like a solid build, too. Those lines are lined up pretty good. Everything's level. And the, the stands alone are probably going to be pretty beastly. Yeah, goals. I mean, but think about the price. Those are thirty five hundred each. You know, that's one thousand two hundred fifty bucks. No, twelve thousand. I can't do math. Not counting the stands, just for the monitors. You know. Well, Mike, it does look like it's a birthday celebration for Track Racer. Yeah, they say that it's their fourteenth birthday. They're giving away a TR eight Pro cockpit, and you can enter at their website and try to win a cockpit at trackracer.com slash pages slash birthday dash competition. And I did enter and hope to win. I'd love to have a second cockpit to fool around with. I like their designs. If I were to, to pick a, uh, a, a, a rig to buy, I think I would go the track racer route. I just like the tubular designs on some of them, but um, this one, it's pretty nice. The other, the other rigs are, are pretty nice too. Oh, I mean, if I was buying a track racer, it'd be the TR-160 MK4. Um, that's their flagship, and uh, yeah, I, I really like it. 
It was one. It was on my short list when I was buying a cockpit. Yeah, price for that one's not bad. It's nine forty nine for that. Does that come with the seat? No seat. So you so you get like a, a seat like I got three hundred and seventy bucks NRG. Slap it on that. There you go. All right, we have an Instagram post from Lawrence over at Sim Coaches, and he's promoting their Discord community channel. I'm in it, and there's definitely a lot of good things you can do there. They they throw occasional hosted races, and it's just a place for them to also hang out and talk about the products that they're working on. So uh, even if you haven't bought your Sim Coaches yet, if you'd like to hear about them, join that Discord and find, become a Sim Coaches community member. Yeah, I was reading the Discord last night, Bobby Jonas was in there uh telling everybody he won the race uh and he with the sim coach's colors so so pretty cool i do have a lawrence still likes my p1 p919 paint they that's the yellow sim coaches one that's brought home a lot of wins in the ess series he always comments on that one that that he really likes how it looks all right this cockpit looks awfully familiar it has that same leaned thing um from it's a ford cockpit is that what they're going for with the color yeah it looks yeah, like so, yeah ford gt design to it i guess no no so if you look closely this is the next level racing uh elite cockpit i racing edition is what it is it's the same one they were selling uh last fall that this was also on my short list of uh, cockpits to choose from uh, the iRacing Edition one, but this is uh, basically they took it and painted it uh, Ford Blue uh, or Team Fordzilla, as they call it, and uh, put, you know, basically they branded it officially licensed Ford GT. Pretty cool look. I mean, I love the blue. Yeah, this is the one that has the leaning pylons in the middle. Where they slant, they don't go straight up. Um, that was one of the deciding factors of why I didn't choose it. And it does have Ford, Ford on the aluminum profile as well, the actual logo. Yeah, you get the Ford logo. You get the Team Fordzilla. Is, uh, it's got stickers, uh, you know, that kind of thing. They even have a seat available with uh, belts that say Team Fordzilla on the belts. I mean, uh, so you can get this whole Ford-branded uh, uh, cockpit. I think it's neat to see the manufacturers get involved with the the sim chassis company like this. Um, you know, I, wouldn't it be cool to? I'd like to see a Toyota branded one. Yeah, definitely. The manufacturers getting involved is nice. I can't stop staring at that angle of the center um, pillar. It's starting to bother me. I would like to see. It. I don't know. Angles bother me, but the ninety degree would would look nice. Well, the, the support. You're you're thinking. You know, how is that? You know, if you put weight on that, how is that going to hold up? You know, when you look at the SimLab P1X, I mean, the uprights go straight up and down, but there's also the uh, a crossbar, as I call it, that attaches halfway up for like the gear shift and your mouse and stuff like that. And so it gives it all this extra stability that, you know, this one obviously doesn't have. 800 bucks US. I wonder how much Ford gets for this, or you know, do they get a chunk of that? I mean, I wonder financially how this works. Do they get a chunk, or do they pay a chunk and actually uh, use it as advertisement? Right, could be. Well, typically, these uh, car manufacturers that have these licensing deals with uh, 
with sim uh, cockpit builders, the price usually goes through the through the roof. Now, I mean, they're usually like Aston Martin or something like that. But um, you know, I'm not trying to equate Ford with one of those uh, one of those brands. But still, having this uh, license did not jack up the price of this unit. You know, out of the stratosphere. That's a regular price, I believe, uh, Brian, for that yeah. cockpit, whether you buy the iRacing edition or the Ford edition. Right. So is, there's no, you know, there's no uh, extra, extra cost for getting something that's uh, that's licensed like this. Almost bought that one. That I was so close. So this next one is interesting, considering how hard it always is to supposedly get video cards. But in the, Nvidia is saying that it's built too many. What do you think about this, Brian? Yeah, this is an interesting article from uh, The Verge, um, and what it's saying is that NVIDIA has uh, too many graphics cards. Now, um, I'm assuming they're talking about the 3000, um, yeah, the 3000 series cards that were in such high demand for the past couple years. Um, it looks like you know they might have an abundance of inventory now and uh you know they might the the, the prices might have might start reflecting that oversupply um plus they're probably going to want to clear them out before the 4000 series comes out because they don't want to have uh tons of the 3000 series markets sitting around when the 4000s come out that you know People are going to start buying the new new series and and uh and the 3000 series is going to you know the they're just going to sit. So um, I haven't seen any uh, any price uh, drops because of uh, the this, this supply issue they're talking about. But you know, it could affect it could affect the prices. It could affect the the release of the four four thousands because uh, maybe they want to sit on the three thousand a little longer. I don't know. But um, yeah, my, my my guess is that you know with the with the demand that was so high for so many years, they just cranked these things out, and and now now they're um, they just made too many. They're trying to trying to figure out what to do with them. Yep. So prices will be lowered to the distributor. Now they also said whether the distributors lower the price beyond that is really up to them. Um, but yeah, they're trying to blow them out. So it might be a good time to get an RTX 3000 card if that's good enough for what you guys want, uh, if you're not waiting for the 4000. I'm just cruising Best Buy right now for graphic cards and and yeah, they're coming down. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like they overreacted to the shortages that were that were happening rather than um, planning for the future with the new the new next gen or next gen cards. All right, let's finish up hardware. We've got a Rigmatech Simbox button box. This one's a, on the simple side for sure. You got a grid of nine buttons and three rotary dials. Yeah, the cool thing about this one, it is so slim and thin. It's, you know, typically, you know, the boxes are a solid inch, maybe even wider. This one looks is, is much thinner than that. Um, so it, it looks like it, it be, could be something that you could really maneuver around a little bit easier, possibly, than, than uh, something that's a little bit bulkier. bulkier. Um, but you're right, Dave. It's not super complicated as far as the buttons go. It looks like nine press buttons and three decoders. So um, not super, you know, complicated as far as the button goes. But I think the real selling point for this is just how thin it is. Um, it's running at $130, basically. 
Now it says on here that it features four function encoder dials. I'm not sure exactly what that means. If it, but um, I think they're push buttons as well. Okay, that that definitely gives it a nice bump, and the price is good even with the simplicity. Cable comes out the back, but it is off center from the the mount, which I think again is the hundred by hundred millimeter Visa mount. Yeah, so you can, those uh, encoders, you can, you know, turn them left and right, and you can push them in and go left and right as well for a second or a third and fourth option. You know, Brian's on to something. The thickness of a button box matters. And that when I bought mine, that was the, one of the key features I was looking for. I didn't want a real thick box. In fact, uh, this company, Rickmotech from Florida, they have some really nice uh, higher-end button boxes, uh, if you go look. Uh, but the thickness drove me away from those. Uh, it, it, I don't like how deep these things are. Yeah, the ones I've got are actually really thin and, and are actually directly mounted to the drive as well. Why would you need so many, not toggle switches, but they look like uh, flip switches. Why would you need more than six on a, a button box? What would you use those for? Well, on the right side, I've got one. If I go up, it's fuel, full fuel. If I go down, it tell it uses JRT to calculate how much fuel I need to get to the end of the race, and puts that and sends that to iRacing. Uh, then the one next to that, it uh, clears my t it clears my tires, or no, it clears everything. The one all the way on the right changes my fast repair. The second one changes my uh, butt kicker volume. And then on um, on the left side, one of them changes what channel I'm in on iRacing. Another one changes uh, the fuel mode on JRT. Another one changes the display mode on JRT. Another one changes or turns on and off the record mode on JRT notes, if or, or no, on Crew Chief notes. So, yeah, you can come up with plenty of things. Now you're talking about the actual toggle switches itself? Not yeah, the, the up and downs, the up okay. and downs. That those are the up and downs, um, and then my buttons. I, my buttons have things programmed as well, and pretty much almost every one of my knobs has something programmed to them as well, because um, you can set it for your right and left perches when you're making adjustments to the car. In the car, you you can set one for brake bias. You can set one for engine setting. You can set one for traction control one and traction control two. Um, hybrid system settings yeah so almost every button has something going on results let's jump to nascar iRacing series open friday it was the glen watkins glen p20 and uh i ran basically got what I deserved, I think. Uh, had a top 10 earlier in the week and was just trying to you know, do better than that. I was in a higher split um, and I got probably what I deserved. It was a pretty uneventful race for me. David, P21. Yeah, I basically got taken out by a guy who had already pitted but, and took a ridiculous dive bomb and expected everybody to just get out of his way when he wasn't when he was on the same lap um he just came into the bus stop and i was already past the braking line before he got beside me he just destroyed me so it is what it is i'll see him the next time i see him Ooh, he's on the list huh 
Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, Donnie Spiker, P16. Yeah, P16, uh, started P17. Uh, throughout the race, I was running mainly P8 and P12. Um, our teammate Kyle was in this race as well. Um, my mistake, I didn't practice pit entry at all. I remember every time I came into the pits during practice, I was too hot. And uh, so I had that in my mind. And I believe somebody over TeamSpeak was like, be careful of the pit stop, be careful, don't speed. I'm like, holy crap, you're right. I haven't even practiced that yet. So sure enough, coming into turn seven, I gingerly turn it around and, I'm making, and I lost too much time. I went from, I think I was running six at the time and I came out in 17th, just taking fuel. So that was my mistake. So lesson learned, practice the pit entry, especially at Watkins Glen, that comes up on you quick. But I think our, our teammate Kyle, he finished, I wanna say he was behind me during the pit stop sequence. I think he finished fifth or sixth in the race. All right, so you were too slow getting to the pit lane. Way too slow. All right, and then David, you ran uh, Sunday Open P10. Yeah, I think a couple other guys ran too. I don't know. They forgot to put the results in, I guess. Um, or I don't remember being alone on this one. Um, I would have preferred a slightly better result. But, you know, with it being NIS, you always want to finish really well. But we had four cars that all ran in a close pack the whole time. And you just had, and it, it made the race fun and exciting. Even though I didn't lose or gain any spots, I kind of stayed right there in 10th that, that whole time. That pack was all lined up nose to tail. We'll say Watkins Glen was a lot of fun with this car. You know, it, it was interesting how you could actually see, believe it or not, the tire wear came kicked in a little. It was not enough to worry about taking tires, but I would always start catching people in the second half of the race just because I didn't seem to be as bad on my tires. Yeah, never took tires all week. All right, well, we're going to move on to something fun. Daytona. <laughs> David, P6. Yeah, I'll take it. You know, I had a shot at winning. It didn't work out, but that's fine. Uh, I struggled to get to front in this one. For, you know, for most of the race, people were just not being that aggressive. And so you just had two lines running side by side and there's nowhere to go. I did have to fix damage twice because of getting caught off and stuff. And then I finally caught some brakes and got towards the front. Um, in fact, I restarted the green-white checkered in second, but it didn't work out. I got left with no help and uh, P6. It's still a good run, though. Yeah, I got to watch uh, from above the end of your race. Um, and you had a, a, some other teammates were watching on the stream. So we all got to see you try to win this race. And you were in position there at the end. It's just you didn't have uh, it just didn't work out because the guy who was pushing you, he bailed on you at the last moment and you were kind of left out to dry. And a lot of, well, there was two guys that in our pack that basically got wrecked out as well. And that that's what caused some of such of the randomness. Two, two guys completely got fluffed, knocked out of the pack and way in the back. And that's how we had to keep changing partners. Yeah, you were in position, but it didn't play out right. Boy, mine didn't play out right. P2. I got to the front pretty quick and led the first half of the race pretty much. Uh, led the most laps for the race as well. Obviously, being up front, I used more fuel than everybody else. And I had to pit before the halfway mark. Um, so I called out to my team member, Tom Dryling, who had been right behind me. Uh, we ran first, second, the whole first half of the race, pretty much. Um, he was able to save fuel running behind me. And... Um, 
And so I called out to him, look, you need to stay out and, and pit with the pack. Uh, leave me behind. I'm going to pit when I have to pit and uh, pit by myself. And that's what I did. Um, and he was able to pit with the group and, and come out with the lead after the, the flags, uh, after the green flag stop cycled. Um, anyway, much later in the race, I finally caught a caution, which really put me back into the race on the same field strategy. I ended up restarting P7 after that. Now that caution was good for me, it was bad for Tom. Uh, Tom needed it to go green. He had enough fuel. He had pitted on 41 of an 80 lap race, so he was going to make it. He was leading, you know, when the caution came out. So it was kind of bittersweet. But that's what happens when you're on alternate strategy. A uh, couple of late cautions. Uh, I was able to get myself up to fourth. I had this great run at one point around the outside of a bunch of checked up cars on the on the left. I went from 14th to fourth in one lap, and I was able to mix it up for the lead. And then on the white, I was leading on the outside with no help. Three cars on the bottom went low on me. I fell to fourth, but I was able to cross over, and then they wrecked, and then I wrecked, but it wasn't enough P2. But man, what a what a race to, you know, I called out beforehand in the chat you know i was nervous i was anxious i was pacing around because every time i go to daytona i know i can win and and sure enough i was in position to you know we looked so good at the beginning of the race tom and i up front we were fast we were pulling away we were doing all the great stuff and and then to be there at the end you know it was it was really satisfying even though i didn't win yeah it looks like teammate kyle wrecked out uh, Tony Rochette, he, uh, he was running up front. He finished P18. He started on the pole. Uh, he fell in behind the leader till green flag pit stops. Uh, the leader pitted three laps before him, and then he pitted. He took the lead back. He was going to make it with only one stop, but first caution came out with 20 to go. Should have stayed out as I fell back to seventh, but fast forward to white flag, jumped to the outside in eighth, had a car jump out in front. Let off the gas so I wouldn't wreck him and got plowed from behind. He ended up finishing. He was running up front, it sounded like, for the most of the race, and he ended up coming away with a P18. Yeah, he told me today, I wish I would have lifted. Um, next time I'm not lifting, is what he was saying, because he lifted for that guy and it screwed him up. Tyler got P16, started dead last. I was number 35 in my split, played it safe, and rode in the back. Out of three cautions, I got tangled up in one with about 20 to go. Left front damage, but not too bad. Was able to rally up to 16th. Best part of the night was listening to our team finish solid. Yeah, our finishes, um, you know, are all over the place kind of, but we were running up front. Um, most of us were throughout the entire, entire race. But uh, Tom finished P12. He had a top five qualifying run, ran up there the first run uh, once. Did you read Tom's, Mike, or Tyler's? No, no, you go ahead. Okay, so Mike took the lead. I settled in behind him for the whole first run. He pitted before the halfway. I stayed out with the leaders. After green flag stopped, still leading with enough fuel to make it. Uh, much later, a caution. Then the guy leading the outside gets bumper hooked into me and cleaned, cleaned him out, cleaned uh, Tom out. No damage, though. And he tried to get back up there to help Mike, but didn't have enough time. Great run, led five laps. Teammate turning one, two, the first half of the race. Yeah, tough break for Tom. Um, 
man he, he he is a great driver I, I keep saying he's faster than me and, and uh, he doesn't have the results to show it though but how about bobby jonas p1 he wins it <laughs> he says so i short pitted under yellow i took tires and fuel i went 15 or so laps leaders pit i made up enough spots picking my way through to pit with them came out in front and led all the way to the white then out of four took it back uh three years straight i win at daytona summer race six straight years with a win in the nis open series this is crazy can't thank my teammates at tofosi racing enough yeah that was awesome he let he let out his excitement when he crossed the finish line when i was going through my ordeal um i finished p18 started uh started ninth Early in the race, I received a drive-through penalty for passing under yellow. And uh, after receiving a waiver on later in the race, I was able to get back up to, to P3 with six laps to go. And my my thought, I run the inside line. That's where I run. I, I, I stay there till the end. And I was going to time it for the, when our outside lane was coming and going, it was lasting about two or three laps of uh, jockeying and then the outside lane would fade back. So I was going to try to plan that out. So with six to go, I thought, uh oh, this might be my last chance. The outside lane was coming. And um, I didn't get up in front of him like I should have. I kind of gingerly went up into the second lane. And it was the most embarrassing moment I've had on the service. Um, and I don't make a lot of mistakes uh, like that. And I haven't made anything like that in a long time. Felt bad. But as I'm sliding in, in my horror across the, um, the turn one asphalt down, down on the apron, that's when Bobby yells out his scream. And I, I got startled at first. I don't know what the hell's going on because I'm, you know, I'm living my crash, but so it's cool to experience the crash while having a teammate win. So that was pretty awesome. But so for my split, I apologize to the outside line. I think I <laughs> took out quite a few cars, but um, it was a great race. Um, actually enjoyed it all the way through. So far, Daytona has been great. I hate plate racing, but it's been a good week so far. I'm uh, plus positive on my I rating for the week. So you pulled up in front of the line and it was, they were coming too fast and they ran over you. Yeah. So I, you can see him coming, but right when I pulled up, he received a bump and that shot him up quicker than I anticipated. And uh, he tried to go on my outside instead of, you know, following behind me, he was trying to um, go to the outside and uh, that hooked me to the wall and then hooked me in front of everybody. So yeah, P3 running and if I were to do it differently, I would just get out quicker than hope for the best. Hope he gives me a good shove, but I, I hate it. Uh, I learned a lot. That's one of the toughest moves at, at a plate track is to pull up in a in front of a lane that's coming and judge it right without screwing up. Um, because the closing rate, you know, has to be just right for that to work. You know, you, you um, could do it in the often, trucks in the B car, but I, I am still not 100% comfortable with this A car yet. But um. I can do that move with the with the B car no problem, and they just give you a good little shove. And as long as you keep your wheel wheel straight, you're good to go. But this this next gen is you got to learn a little bit more before you can start bump drafting. All right, Thursday open, I ran, got pole position, and so did Tony Rochette. We both got pole position in two different splits. I couldn't get away from the front at the beginning, and I wasn't gonna get screwed like the night before where I didn't have enough fuel to make it to halfway. So I literally, about lap six, I pulled over on the back stretch and fell to eighth to try to save fuel. Um, I eventually caught a, a, enough cautions where we didn't need to save fuel anymore. 
and I was leading with 30 to go. Uh, the second line finally formed and, and got by me before another caution. I was P7 with 17 to go. Uh, we did another restart. It was P6 with eight to go. Um, then I was running P5 and I got turned by a guy that was trying to go around the outside of me, car done. So it was like top five were all lined up and on the bottom. We we lost the people behind us except for the guy in six who had a run and he was coming at us real hard and instead of getting in line he tried to go around me well when he did he got loose and then he came down into me and destroyed my car yeah rochette you mentioned got the pole uh he mentioned the last two times he was a 27 car on pole uh he was the winner but quoting him as his old football coach used to say, uh, not today. He had a save of a lifetime early on as a car from the outside uh, murdered his right rear. And I believe he showed us a video of that today and was sideways and saved it. But wouldn't be the only time I was sideways. White flag on the outside was was hit and hit again, making me ride the wall and then just slid to the back stretch on my driver's side door. We brought that one up earlier. Uh, fun times. That save he mentioned earlier and he got right hooked. I... I mean, I think the previous generation, that's a wreck. Oh yeah. It was dead sideways and it turned back straight. It was crazy. Like it didn't look real. Well, if you just stab the brakes, you know, if you get sideways, it's amazing how you can, how much you can save it. Uh, I, I got to spot the last uh, restart basically for Tony. Um, I don't know if I did a great job spotting. I, I told you know, at one point, the the top line was forming and and i was like look your move is going to be pull up in front of the top line when it comes just like what the move donnie explained earlier uh but you got to time it right and so um he did do it but it was too late when we told when i told him to go up there and and just like how you described donnie the guy t went to the outside of him and then it was a jumble from there and then he got wrecked and it was a huge mess so it didn't work out Let's move on to official David, the 24 hour endurance. Yeah, we ran the Porsche GTE and we should have had a podium on this one, but we had several times we had to fix like five or nine minutes worth of damage, dropping us back to sixth. Um, I actually, partially because I got to run the nighttime hours, even though it was daytime for me, it was nighttime on the server. Uh, I ended up with the fastest lap and the fastest average lap of of the group of five. Uh, but still, P6 is a good run in a full field of GTs. Well done. I ran some rare A open and uh, started P30. Uh, I was to the lead by lap three. Now, I'm pretty proud of that, you know, uh, 30th to the lead in three laps. Uh, but I was wrecked out a few laps later. Second race, I got wrecked out uh, on the uh, a huge checkup on the inside lane in the middle of the backstretch. Got wrecked from behind, two and a half minutes damage. Like I was halfway down the backstretch, we were all in line, and and they just stopped. And then the guy behind me just ran through me, and uh, yeah, it was over. Uh, let's see, I got that two and a half minutes fixed. Uh, I missed the second caution, but was involved in the third one. And then it was 126 damage on that one. And uh, I don't even know where I finished, but the A opens didn't work out for me. But moving on to road, I ran the Skippy 
at the Nuremberg Ring. Nuremberg Ring. Boy, I really butchered that, didn't I? At the ring. We'll call it the ring. So first one, I started mid-pack and wrecked out on the first lap. Next one, I started 7th out of 14. I made it to P5. Third one, I started 13th, got to 10th, but then wrecked it. Next one, I started a P5 out of 14. By the end of lap one, I was up to second. I was hunting the leader and I forced the issue and got by and then I even gapped it. Some guy who had started for the pit was coming, was up to third about nine seconds back and he made it up, made up seven seconds on me. Um, it was my 85th career win. I can't believe I've, I've won at the ring. Uh, That's pretty cool. Was this the full complete course? I don't think so. I think David, you called it the GP course. If you only ran three, three laps, it's the full course. Three laps in 15 minutes. Yeah, that that's that. Well, that might be the full course, or it might be just either the North Loop or the or the South Loop. There's, there's fancy German's work course. There's the, there's a North Loop, there's a South Loop, and there's a, there's the combined. Um, so I'm not sure. I I wasn't. It might be the combined. It's it's you know, it's a super long uh, track, and I love it. I, I'm having. I didn't think I would. Uh, when I bought it, I was like, I'm never going to learn this track. It's too long. But now I pretty much know every turn and what gear to be in and all that. So I can't believe I won. I'm just so happy with that. Moving on to. Well, you were definitely Easter, at least out on one of the loops, because the GP circuit is literally just a road course. Like, it's a traditional okay. road course. It doesn't go out on the mountain. It has, at the end of the lap, it's got a long, long straightaway. Really yeah. long straightaway. Oh, yep. That's, it. That's at least one of the loops. Yep. So then I moved to the F2000 car at the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway, the obviously the road course. I started P5 out of 16. I was wrecked out on lap one, turn two, and I haven't run it again. I don't know if I'm going to, maybe tonight. Spiker, how about you? Yeah, I ran trucks uh, Tuesday night in P13, qualified second. Uh, running in a pack of six, I was P4 with 10 laps to go, and we were tight on fuel. I believe we were less than a lap to the good. Uh, with 10 laps to go so when you run in a pack with these guys you're running about 180 and i man at the point where we wrecked we were going about 160. Uh, everybody was trying to stay fueled nobody wanted to take the lead um so it was almost a race of not being in front uh but somehow p2 wrecked p3 sending uh one of those trucks into me taking me out and finishing p13 but um yeah, it was fun up until that point uh the b open race uh p10 this was an odd race. We had the quick caution up front, and we didn't get another caution until halfway. And then same thing, we uh, all pitted at the same time. We had a, maybe a lap and a half of fuel left uh, to go. And uh, the pack just stayed stayed the same until there was no jockeying. The inside line was the inside line. Outside line stayed the same. And uh, the outside line wrecked coming to the start finish at the end of the race, but uh, finished P10. Yeah, I mean, that one race I was in, I, I couldn't get out of the front. I, I didn't want to be up front wasting fuel. Like I so and and I would go like so I was leading on the bottom, so I would drift up to the upper lane and to let them go by. 
pass me, please. But then the guy behind me is like, okay, let's go. I'm going to push you to the front, you know? And so I had to literally pull off track to get out of the lead. It was crazy. Yeah. I and mean, that truck race, I've never experienced something like that where nobody wanted the front and it was a struggle just to stay behind people. And I don't know how there's only six of us up front, but um, I think there was a pack of six up front and ended up finishing, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. So I did take a couple of, I'm sorry, I did go back and take a look. Uh, iRacing just has the GP and the North Loop, and then they can come, you can combine the two of those as well. So you you were running just the North Loop, which is which is um, the big track. Yeah, the, he ran the Nordschleife. Nordschleife, it's, um, you know, he's running eight, eight, eight minute, 30 second laps. That's the full course. Okay, right? there you go. Pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love that track. Yeah, North Slash trans to, translates to North Loop. All right, let's do league racing. Fast track league was at Michigan. David, uh, you were wrecked out. No, game crashed. Yeah, I was doing pretty well. I did do the short pit strategy since we were expecting the caution. And then I think I, I think I ended up contributing 4X to bring out the caution on the, with, the, with the little counter because right when Tyler was about to lap me coming out of turn seven, my VR went black. And it doesn't usually, if it, when it does crash, it doesn't usually do this. It just went black, uh, but the computer didn't freeze because I said, I lost my VR and all y'all said, uh-oh because y'all could still hear me and I could still hear y'all and I I don't ever know I don't know whatever actually happened because I didn't load back in but I think Tyler saw me go into the wall and die so um, yeah it just it just crashed I would have probably been somewhere in between P8 and P10 if it hadn't happened yep I ran a P15 started dead last P29 I got to P20 by the end of lap one uh, so made up nine spots pretty quick uh, hit the pit lane when the fuel window opened from 15th and pretty much ran 15th the rest of the race. Um, this this uh, league is hard. Greg didn't type his result, but I remember him posting that he got a P3. Okay. And uh, I ran hosted. It was Chris McGuire, 87 cars at Talladega. I started last, P30. Got the lead by lap 10. I like that. Some guy parks it on the backstretch and the field comes around and we plow in the entire field. The host and the admins were livid. Like, who is this guy? They have a dozen admins in there and he, everyone's allowed to kick whoever, whatever. It was, it was very frustrating, you know, because I'd come from the back and I was going to win that race. I thought I was. So I went to the next one. Started P29 out of 35. I quickly got up to 12th within three laps, and sure enough, there's a slow lap car in the middle of the track as the pack is coming around. They tell him to move. He doesn't do anything. We all wreck. It was so frustrating because it's happened twice in a row now. Um, and so I think I gave up on that for a while. Later, we ran supercars at Michigan. My sim actually crashed twice while getting into the car. I had to reboot the computer to get it fixed, and then I joined the race some four laps down. Then we ran Gen 5 at the iRacing Super Speedway. I think I've gone the fastest I've ever gone in a NASCAR. I hit a top speed of 261 
in the draft. 261. I was P1 on the white flag, and a guy passed me under the yellow and wiped me out. And no apologies either. I mean, and, and I don't know, is there a yellow rule line at iRacing Super Speedway? Um, I kind of, you know, think there should be if there isn't, but uh, I didn't expect him to go down there. I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, stand up against this line and he'll have to go around the outside. No, he just dove, he just went down to the apron and came up and took me out. If he does, if he uh, if he joins unsafely, it is protestable. If he is he if he's able to completely clear you, it's not protestable. Yeah, I probably could have protested that then because he made contact. Uh, let's see. Next was Gen Five at Talladega, and I got wrecked out on lap one on that one. And then the last one was eighty sevens and the Pro Two truck at Wild West Park. Yeah, that's right. Eighty seven NASCARs at the Wild West Park. No damage turned off, and man, that but that car is fun to jump. Uh, and and it, it was like I put up some videos in the chat, uh, trying to see how much air I could get with them. Uh, so much power. I mean, it's it's just perfect. What a combo! What was faster, the trucks or the eighty sevens? The eighty sevens were way faster than the trucks, and it turned out to be kind of a bunk race at the end because. Uh, anyone who was in a truck kind of left the race, and we only had the 87s left. Now, can those 87s make the jump with damage on and sustain it? Probably not. I haven't tried it, but I'm glad that damage was off because you could just—I was just flooring it, you know, trying to get see how fast I, how far can you jump this thing? Okay, with that, we'll jump to final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Uh, yeah, so Daytona Week's pretty cool. I will be on the sim Sunday night with you guys as we do our Sunday night um, NIS race. Um, and also, I'm really looking forward to the actual NASCAR race Saturday night. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I really like that they have this race as the knockout race for the playoffs where, you know, it's going to, you know, it, it could turn it to a crap show because everybody's got win or go home type of mentality. But I think it's going to be real interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. With the win and you're in, we get a new winner maybe, which certainly can happen at a place like Daytona. All right. David Hall, final thoughts. If you haven't tried that fixed foveated uh, rendering thing, it, you really need to do it. It's been so nice having that G3 run back up on the upper end of the graphics. So go back, check that out a couple episodes ago or just look for it in the forums uh, at iRacing. It's a game changer. Watch my stream, M-I-X-M-A-G-E, at Twitch. Okay, very good. Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Yeah, Daytona's been surprisingly fun uh, this week. But tomorrow I drive out to Vegas. I'm going to pick up my uh, Sim Coach pedals, so it'll be exciting. I'm hoping to get them installed this weekend, um, if I can. And hopefully we make it back in time for tomorrow's Xfinity race. Uh, the boys want to watch that. So I want to foster their interest as long as possible because it hasn't ever been a thing until recently. So I've been watching all this crap myself forever. So it's nice to be able to watch them with your kids. But other than that, I'm looking forward to maybe getting a couple more races in this weekend. Okay, so you got to hit up Lawrence. You know, we need some kind of sneak peek. You know, maybe you can get us a short picture, a video or something of 
some new product he hasn't announced or some kind of yeah, tidbit. And, and you should, even though you're getting the hydraulics, you should try out the load cells just so you can make a comparison. If you, if yeah. let you sneak in there. Great idea. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been talking to him off and on for the last couple of weeks. Um, so he's expecting me tomorrow. Um, and I have a list because I'm writing everything down. I want from my new rig and I want to know what he has in the pipeline. I don't want to go out and buy something that I know they're going to make that's going to be good. And I just want to see what they have on the horizon. And if he has to tell me that I can't really mention it publicly, then I won't. But, I mean, you guys will know. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious on all the products uh, they at least have on a drawing board that, um, that they plan on making. All right, very cool. I hope you enjoy. Um, I think you made a good choice. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Do you hear me, Greg? Looks like he's running something him. in the background. Yeah, he's okay. still practicing he's, for the league race. Yeah, he's our video guy, but he's uh, doing other stuff. So I'll jump to my final thoughts. Wow, Daytona, man. The butterflies always come, and they did. And um, But, boy, once I'm in the car and I drive to the front, man, uh, it, it, it's all replaced by confidence, swagger. You know, I just... I, you know, and, and Bobby said it, I mean, Bobby has got that same swagger. This whole team does it when it comes to Daytona. Uh, he called it, he, I'm going to win this race. And he did. And, uh, dang, I almost won it. I was P2, but uh, I have another shot Friday night, Sunday night. I'm going to get that win, uh, one way or another. I feel good about it. And Hey, if I didn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm running, I'm in for a win i'm in contention i've already been in contention twice so um no reason to think i'm not gonna be in contention again so man let's get that win i got my 85th at the at the nords nords life or whatever you want to call it um still a little bit in shock about how i pulled that off but i did and um hey with that we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.